The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Skinny are helping you show how smart you are with the 1Q Quiz, an all-new, super-challenging and super-quick daily quiz built by The Spin-Off. Every Monday, Skinny are giving you the chance to prove you're smart with the Skinny Extra Credit question. Get it right, and you'll get the chance to score yourself some Skinny Extra mobile credit so you can text, call, or even video call your group chat and gloat about how big your brain is. T's and C's apply. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Hello and uh, welcome to a very special episode of The Fold. Uh, I'm your host Duncan Grieve and I am recording this on Friday afternoon on the 27th of March underneath the towel via Zoom and my iPhone because that is apparently the way that we live now. Uh, And... I'm doing this as a monopod, um, which, you know, those of you who listened to that sort of weird, slightly crazed episode of RealPod that I did late last year will either recoil or rejoice at, depending on your taste. Um, doing it almost out of necessity this way, not that I can't get people on the line, but I feel guilty. Uh, well, I feel guilty about a lot of things right now. It's a very emotional time, but anyone who's working in the media who I'd want to talk to is working their asses off at the moment. They certainly don't need to spend an hour on the phone to me um, to try to make sense of this thing. Uh, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, the Fold is a podcast about the media, about the New Zealand media, and this institution, this industry that I work for and in has been, like all others, hit in the face by COVID-19, um, by this virus that sort of there started to be murmurings about in the media in, in January and has just risen to become the biggest story of our lifetime. And um, that has had profound implications um, for for the media around the world. I think it's brought out the absolute best of us. Um, It's also placed a lot of us in in mortal peril. I think it's inevitable to to say that um, certain, that the media will never be the same. In fact, that's kind of almost trite at this point because it'll be true of our species and every industry um, will be transformed by this event. But um, this podcast is about the media and um, therefore that's, broadly speaking, where, where I'll stay. Um, and, I mean, you, it's sort of hard to know where to begin. Uh, this is, it's, it's a really extraordinary event to view through the media's lens, both because we are covering it um, in a you know with every sort of beat of it that we that we can, while also absorbing it on a, on a personal level, while also figuring out how to do our jobs from home. Um, this is true of a lot of industries, but uh, there, there's you know I don't think it's um, belittling anyone else's um, any, what anyone else is going through to say that this has been extremely intense um, for for all of us in the media. 
and the thing that I keep coming back to is that it it shows not the floor in, but the, I guess the the sort of the danger of the the ad funded model, which has been the basis of so much of our media, is is mostly or or near entirely funded by advertising, and we're in this very bizarre twilight zone where interest in what we create has has not been higher for years potentially never been higher uh this this story this the COVID 19 story is is a worldwide one it is involved it is incredibly complex and multi-dimensional it is constantly in motion like the virus itself you know if you stay away from it for a few hours you feel like you know you're, you're just living in the past because you just you know, it 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 it, st- it moves so so fast. Huge um, events can happen that such that your understanding of the world is no longer current, just because you've had an afternoon, you know, doing something with your, your kids or or binging a show. Um, I think, but the the the, the main thing is that um, you know news ratings are way up. You know, tr- online traffic is is through the roof. Uh, you know, our own site over the last week we've had three million page views. Well, that would put us, I think, the third ever, the third highest ever month in spinoff history, and we did that in a week. Um, you know, there's, and I, I'm sure that every media outlet could cite similar statistics that are just, you know, beyond the realms of anything they've ever experienced. Um, but the the brutal irony of it is that under normal circumstances, a news event has a direct impact on on revenue. In that, uh, you know, you sell more newspapers, you get more eyes on your, the television, you get more clicks on your stories, and you get more advertising dollars as a result. But because this is such a total whole of economy shock. The, the disease and the the, um, the sort of prevention of it through lockdown, no one is advertising. And wh- one of the things which really shocked me was um, watching The Bachelorette the other night and I was watching this ad and I was like, well, what is this for? There was like a sort of a janky looking Instagram handle came up and it was really low production value and then i realized it was for Thin Lizzy. You know, it was essentially like a cut down infomercial playing you know, during one of the year's big priority uh, shows on on TVNZ2 in prime time. And, you know, you just think about the events that could possibly make that occur. And that's, you know, it's great for Suzanne Paul, I suppose, in terms of buying some very distressed inventory. But it's a disaster for TVNZ, who spent a huge amount making that show and now have to... Sort of deal with the fact that uh, they can't remotely recoup their investment. The other ads you see, are, you know, there's there's power companies and and Tim Tams, and that's kind of it. The odd car ad, a lot more house ads, but you know, for for various other TVNZ shows. But you know, I think television's a very very expensive medium to make, and that's why you know, despite having pretty good ratings and. Um, uh, you know, a lot of profile to TV uh, three has has struggled so much over the past few years, and 
God, if if that if selling that that channel was a difficult job, and um, before this, you know, it's it's sort of unimaginably difficult now, and and yet, so 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 you know, you've got all the eyes in the world and no one to sell them to is, is the sum of it. The government's taking up a little bit of that slack with its COVID nineteen campaign, but nothing like enough to. Uh, redress the the fall everywhere else, and you know you got to feel for um, for the people working in television because their jobs have never been more important. They're doing the best work of their careers. You watch the bulletins now, and they're so full and they're so textured. And you know, I was watching uh, TVNZ One's bulletin last night, and they had. You know, the perspectives of the Pacifica community, they had like a roadblock up north, they've got reporters everywhere doing really, really important work. And and that does it just doesn't pay. Um, and they're running out of content. You know, they've taken Shorten Street back to three days a week. And even that, you know, that that show, which is just a machine, like they they sort of as soon as they finish a scene, they start cutting it. It's it's admired around the world. Um, SPP's making of of Shortland Street, but and they have a certain amount of lead time, but it's a matter of weeks, not months. And you know, they they've gone back to three days a week. They may well run out of Shortland Street um, if this lockdown goes on long. Now, that's not a huge thing in the scheme of things, but. What it is is emblematic of the fact that you know television is it's not just in time production the way the way there are with some industries, but it's not a million miles off. Um, you know that they they have a production line, they have their planning, uh, and we're gonna we're just gonna run out of shows because there won't be. Not only are they not making them here, they're not making them anywhere. Um, Dance with the Stars has already been delayed. I think that will probably be cancelled, in part because almost like a taste thing, like the idea of two relative strangers in such close proximity, even if you didn't have a, a live audience, I think that there'll be some part of it that, that just doesn't read right. It's like uh, my colleague and podcast co-host Alex Casey sort of alluded to when you watch The Bachelor now and you see the extent to which they're sort of touching one another's faces and kissing and you know, you're just like, it just, it, it, it scans so differently in this era when we know what, you know, that, that, you know, we're constantly told how careful we have to be with our interactions that were previously so routine. Um, uh, the block is, is delayed for four weeks for now, but is, is likely to be delayed for longer. The really hard thing with television productions whether they're reality or scripted is that they're very cumbersome beasts you know they they take a lot to to sort of wind up and wind down and you know the best case scenario with uh the level alert system that we have going is that we might get let out to a to a three or a two by region from time to time but at any point there'll be a risk of us being sort of scaled back up and potentially very quickly when there's more community transmission um, while they try and stamp this thing out and given the huge cost of, of packing up and packing down and the sort of logistical side of it that I think it's entirely possible that what we see on our screens will be a combination of reruns sort of very tightly managed studio shows uh, and 
just just a lot of stuff that is is kind of edited or, or brought out from archive. It's it's really hard to imagine how it's hard to imagine this thing not going on for a much longer time than than we're currently anticipating, and for it not to to just. For, for normal service in terms of the the making of television, it's going to be very hard to resume, um, let alone the, the whole economic impact of it. Um, the other thing it's doing is, is because you've got so many people at home all at once, perhaps using... Um, Services like Zoom, like Hangouts, like FaceTime to communicate uh, for the first, you know, some of them for the first time or certainly using them in a much more concerted way than they ever have before. That's sort of training people to think about their devices for video. So I do wonder if this will, you know, I'm not going to, you know, to, to predict the, the death knell of linear by any means, um, not that I haven't before. But I do think there is. This is just the mother of all social experiments, and I think there's a very good chance that we're teaching a huge number of people how to consume media in, in a different way from before. Um, you know, and the you know, and so I'll just move on a little bit to to Sky at this point because they're, I mean, they're just in such an awful position. They paid. You know, huge sums of money for rights to sports, which um, you know, on one level they're doing okay because they they don't have to pay for those um, sports because they're just simply not being delivered. But sports has been the thing that they've hung their hat on. You know, the CEO Martin Stewart basically said, you know, he, this time last year he said you'll you'll go broke trying to outbid us, which meant that he was very comfortable spending a lot of money acquiring a lot of sports rights. None of those sports are happening, and they're doing a great job. They've got a fantastic archive. They're putting things on the air, and personally, I quite like watching watching classic matches. But I don't think that's a a mass activity, and it certainly doesn't have a forever timeline. And all those people whose lives had been built around the routine of a Friday and Saturday night watching sports—they're in play now. You know, they're they're learning new routines. Maybe they'll start to watch, you know, Netflix shows with their partner. Maybe they'll start reading books. Whatever it is, they're very likely to get a long period of time before they can watch sport again. And, you know, some of them aren't coming, aren't coming back. That's just the nature of, of, of habit. And, you know, so that, that has a flow-on effect into sport. You know, I think... You look at New Zealand rugby, hugely reliant on Sky. I mean, it, it's a shareholder in it um, after after last year's deal, but it also, you know, it's a, it's a very large amount of its of its income comes through Sky. I think it's entirely possible the All Blacks don't play a game this year. If they do, it'll at best be in an empty stadium, um, so you lose all the ticket revenue as well. So that's that's a uh, a business which is which is phenomenally challenged, and until there's a worldwide vaccine, it's very difficult to see top level sports coming back in any meaningful way. Um, I watched the Warriors on the weekend, and it was kind of poignant the way that they were trying to battle on to complete the quarter so they could get one more 
payment, but but also at the same time, it was just sort of jaw dropping given how prevalent uh, COVID nineteen is in Australia, and the fact that a game of rugby league, if you want to take one person and, and infect uh, twenty six people, then that's that's what you'd organise to do it. So. But you know, every every sport has got has got a, a tremendous problem out of this, and I think that um, the way that that flows on to media companies that were heavily invested in that sector is, is going to be something to to witness. Um, now, obviously, Sky has a lot of other content. Uh, it, it has the Soho Channel, it has movies, and everyone's at home, so. You know, they, people may well be watching that. And they also have um, in, in Neon and Lightbox some, some strong demand offerings of their own. The fundamental danger, though, is, is obviously that they get a lot of people you know, potentially unemployed or worried about their income cancelling their subscriptions. And, you know, they, they just like TVNZ, just like 3, they have very high fixed costs. They can get rid of a bunch of contractors. I've no doubt there's some difficult conversations happening out there in Penrose at the moment. But fundamentally, they even trim, trimming costs, they're, they're still kind of caught in a real um, bind through this. And, and if it goes on too long, um, and, you know, 10% of their, their income or thereabouts is, is through advertising, that could go to... And not fire off zero as well, especially with they, they will be losing ratings through sports, which is where a lot of their ad revenue comes from. Um, Spark, on the other hand, you know they're they're giving away their product till the end of May. Well, there's almost nothing on it uh, that's new anyway. But the great thing for Spark is that their core business is not sports, and so if you know Sky were to encounter problems. And, you know, they, they can sweat this thing out essentially forever. Sports are nice to have for them. And then at the other end, A, a lot of people have been trained to be consuming content online and B, they will be there to essentially as a borderline monopoly to, to buy sports rights if, if Sky were to, to fail through this. And, you know, so it's it's a it's a enormously challenging situation for the um what you might call the the sort of traditional end of the the television market. Um, unfortunately, the likes of uh, Netflix are very parsimonious with the statistics that they release around consumption of their products. But I would bet that, but when the dust clears on this, that Netflix is easily the biggest um, single channel in New Zealand um, in in terms of, a, say, a total hours watched, something like that. Just you, you, you couldn't design a better event for a company like that to to train millions of people here and all over the world to to consume their product and you know it's such a beautiful user experience and it it learns you so well so fast that uh, you know that that's they, they've done very well out of it. Um, unfortunately. The likes of Disney, whose stock is off, I think, 25% odd since this happened, very exposed through their cruise business, through their theme park business, through retail. So they're hit there. And, and Disney Plus, which already had, had launched with a big bang, I think a lot of us subscribed, they just really needed new content and they don't have enough in the pipe or in the can that it's basically, apart from Frozen 2, there's not a lot that's that's coming to it. So... 
you know, a lot of the new services which either have launched or are launching um, will will struggle, I think, to to make the claim that they are, uh, you know, worthy of worthy of your your dollars. Um, I just want to move on to talk about uh, the the sort of the the more what you might call the news media in New Zealand, um, or, or the, the what was formerly the newspaper business. Uh, NZME, NZME, and stuff. You know, just just like the journalists on on one and three, doing such such great work. Um, you know, all of them out of their offices. They're essential workers, so they're working. You know, I, I just look at my staff and, and our Slack starts up about 5 a.m., finishes about 2. Um, there's, you know, and I'm, I'm sure it's even more so at the, the Herald and stuff. People are doing brilliant um, work on this. But, my God, like the, the, the Tuesday's Herald freaked me out. It was, it was like as thin as a viva. Um, and it wasn't because there was less stories in it, it's because there was almost no advertising in it. And, um, you know, full of great journalism, they've committed to continuing to deliver it throughout the um, the pandemic, throughout uh, throughout Level 4, but, I mean, that's an ad-funded medium, and there's no ads. Um, the NBR has already bitten the bullet and, and stopped their print thing, which they've been wanting to do for a while, but, um, you know, that, I think that will present challenges to it. And, and it is sort of emblematic of just how fast that happened. That sort of tells you something about, you know, how close to the bone a lot of media are, are doing it. Um, you know, speaking personally from the spinoff, we had, you know, huge clients just not pay their bills from from February on, on March 20, when we normally expect it. And that's, uh, that's not something we've ever experienced before. Uh, you know, I just... I'm relatively young. I haven't. The spinoff wasn't around for the GFC. I just it didn't strike me as possible that people would just the big companies would just not pay their bills. And and yet I understand it. You know, if you have to choose between paying your people or paying your bills, pay your people first and see what's left. Um, but it does make it very hard. And yet at the same time, you're doing you're doing the most important work of your lives. And I think, you know, I've watched our people through this. You know, Toby Manhai has probably worked 20 days in a row and, and no no less than 12, 14 hours a day through that. And, um, and you know, as a result, the spinoff, which I don't know, if you'd asked me going into this, said that there was a sort of a health science economy emergency coming, the likes of which no one had ever known, and how do you think your team will do? I just said, well, that doesn't necessarily sound like it sound like it's, our kind of a crisis, if such a thing exists. But um, the, the team has just stood up and, and done the most amazing job. And and the the, I mean, not to dwell too long on on, on our own thing, but at a large part that's because, um, or, or if we make it through, it'll be because of the response of members. You know, we've had just an amazing, you know, I think we've had 50% month-on-month rise in, in memberships as the result of our coverage. Obviously, the likes of Susie Wiles and Toby Morris's collaborations have really helped there. Um, but I think just everyone involved has, has, you know, under Toby's piloting and with, with Alice and Catherine as deputies, really done some of the, the best work of their career and done it from their homes, 
Um, and that kind of thing will be happening everywhere. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure if I were to talk to Mark Stevens or, or, or Murray, you know, it's Mark, Mark Stevens at Stuff or, or Murray at The Herald or, or Murray, like, they would, they will have, they could talk for hours about things that they've seen from their journalists. And, um, you know, the public appetite for and need for good, fact-checked, um, rigorous information it will never, I can't imagine that it will ever be greater in my lifetime. Um, but without anyone advertising, um, your ability to to pay the bills is, is so limited. And that those government wage schemes and loan schemes, they're great for small business. They're basically a business like the spin-off. We're sort of, you know, we're not home and hosed, but the, those schemes were designed for businesses at our scale, you know, 20-odd people, you could just about, um, you know, like the, it, it sort of helps you pay your wages once you get up to a particular scale, especially if you're carrying a lot of debt the way a lot of media companies are. It's very, um, it's very, very hard, even with the, the government loan guarantees and uh, and all that kind of thing. Like it, it just doesn't really touch the sides. Um, now that's not a criticism of government because there's a whole of economy problem. Um, and I think you know we've I've never had so many phone calls from concerned people in relatively senior positions in government agencies than I have over the past week. So they're they're definitely very aware of it. Um, maybe a package is coming. Who knows? But. I think one thing that we have come, which will come out of this, is the realization that you know, ad funding has always contained a, a huge vulnerability, and a, you know, even though this is a sort of a multi-dimensional supply and demand shock, uh, it, I think, it sort of does hasten the um, the not the demise of the ad funding model, because I think that will always be there but it, it, the demand for that other that media have other direct consumer revenue streams that are of, of a meaningful scale because you need to have something more than than advertising um when you know in in normal times when you're dealing with google and facebook let alone when you have an event like this happen um and um, I mean, and, and you know, I won't spend a lot of time on this because it's the medium I know least about. But but even radio is is, is so exposed here. Uh, the that industry is you know one of its its huge strengths is that it, it works very well regionally. Therefore, it works with small businesses. The small business sector is you know they're the ones who stop stop spending fastest. They're the ones who have you know um, who are most exposed are most likely to go bankrupt uh, will be most reticent to, to start spending again um, you know they, they're the least likely to have good sort of online payments they're, very many of them aren't essential services and don't have a plausible path to being them uh, you know so, so radio is, is just very exposed and even more than that radio is a commuter business you know it, it relies on people in their cars Radio loves a traffic jam. People are at home, and just like with um, with linear television, the way that people are learning to to watch online services, even more so, people will be discovering podcasts, um, discovering Spotify, and you know when they get back in their cars, 
whenever that is, they might have different listening habits. So, you know, even the great cockroach of the media is, is threatened by this. Um, so, you know, it's it's just a very, very grave and complex crisis for the media. And obviously, in the scheme of things, it's not who cares because I think everyone is, is gravitating towards information. But certainly, there are public health dimensions and, and overall economic dimensions and, and many other things which, which vastly supersede the media's um, you know, bleating. And, you know, we, we have been bleating for, for probably 10 years now. And, and as, as someone who's been the, the source of a lot of that within New Zealand, you know, I have to acknowledge that. But, but, but everything I was saying before, it's not like it has changed. You know, the, the, the palace resourcing and the, just the general pain of the sector, what is, you know, still there fundamentally. And now it has the mother of all shock. So, you know, I, I am so impressed by the way that my colleagues in the sector have stepped up. I'm so impressed by the way my own staff, you know, for everyone from, from video to commercial to members to, to editorial, there hasn't been a person there who hasn't just wowed me with their work. Um, but you also know that it it does it comes with a cost, and that it uh, you know it, it can't last forever. This this no no revenue or, or very low revenue type situation. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I can't record podcasts under a towel forever. This is it's very hot and I do feel quite strange. Um, so I'm going to leave it there. Um, this has been The Fold, uh, the Spinoffs Media Podcast for March 2020, a month I'll never forget. That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to O Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.